Um, how many animal lovers do I have in the building? Just give me a little, okay, <laughs> all right, I, I hear you. So we have quite a few animal lovers. This is, a, this is just a personal theory of mine, so forgive me if I'm way off base on this. I think there's really two kinds of animal lovers out there. Probably most of you, right, puppies and kittens and all the cute animals, right? That's where you just love, you follow all the Instagram accounts and do all that stuff. And then there's another group of you here that uh, subscribe to National Geographic and you're always on Discovery Channel and when Shark week comes across, you literally cancel everything so that you can participate and you can be involved, right? And you have a fascination for just like those majestic animals for how big, how strong, and just how incredible they are. And uh, I, like you, a couple of years ago, got really fascinated, just kind of on a whim, really randomly, with bears. Anybody ever been just in any kind of bear country, like maybe even seen an actual bear with your own eyes? Anybody? Okay. Okay. So we got a few people we've actually encountered. I'm, I'm glad you're here today. That means you survived that encounter, uh, which is awesome. Um, I've not personally ever seen a bear in person, but I am, I'm absolutely absolutely fascinated with the animal by the sheer awesomeness of what it is. And so I've, I've dove into a little bit of just kind of who bears are and some fun facts on that. You might be surprised. You may not, you may know some of this stuff already, right? Some bear species can be up to 12 feet tall. That's, that's pretty big and weigh thousands of pounds, massive. And as big as they are, they're really nimble. Some of them can run up to 40 miles per hour. Think about that. Like that's a ticket in a school zone in some cases. That's fast. Um, They can crush bowling balls with their bite. That's how strong their bite is. So my little arms, you know, that's not going to be much right. Just absolutely amazing. Uh, Their brain to body ratio is actually really interesting. That's why they're so smart. Um, So I'm just fascinated by bears. And, and because of the research that I've done, actually after first service, somebody texted me a picture of all the bear pelts they have in their house. If you have bear pelts in your house, please text them to me. I'd love to see that. Um, it's amazing. They're huge, right? After learning more and more about bears, it's, it's set the relationship for me, right? Like, because I know what I know about bears, and after I read that line about bowling balls, at that point, there's 0.0% chance I'm ever going to, like put my arm around one, right? Because I I understand, like I know what that bear could do to me just in one fell swoop, right? So the facts about this animal affect the relationship that I have with them. I've encountered a lot of other animals in my time too. It's not, I've not gotten, been fortunate enough to see a bear from a safe distance, but I was in Nashville, Tennessee just a couple months ago and I was doing some spiritual renewal up there. I'm in this beautiful park. I'm reading a book. It's really tranquil scenario. And there's just this really sweet family, a mom and a dad, and couldn't have been a girl more than three years old, four years old. And they're just playing and playing and playing. And this little girl just, she may be becomes best friends with a squirrel. She's got all kinds of snacks and that squirrel's getting right up on her. I mean, practically holding and petting the squirrel. She's become such good friends with it. It was so fun to watch, right? Because that squirrel didn't pose any harm to this little three-year-old girl. Like they were besties. And so the relationship, like what, what was true about that squirrel is that squirrel was not gonna hurt her. That set the relationship for her. Can you see like kind of the contrasting images there? Like uh, if I'm in Colorado or I'm somewhere in bear country and I see the bear, I'm not gonna be handing out snacks to try to draw it in closer so that I can pet it and become friends with it. I'm going to respect it. I'm going to marvel at a distance and be reminded of how cool God is that he created creatures that can eat me and ask him not to allow that to happen. 
right? But when there are squirrels around, I got no problem tossing some breadcrumbs and letting them get close and becoming friends with them because what I know about them sets the relationship. I think there's some spiritual implications to that too for us this morning. It's been really cool. Um, We've been traveling. We're going to take a bit of a pause today on our 14 pages series. We've just been walking through the book of Romans, but I think some of the things we've talked about in Romans already have kind of set the stage for this. So we're going to read a a different passage of scripture in the book of Galatians written by the same guy who we're reading in Romans. It's Galatians chapter five, verses 16 and 18. And maybe just some of the imagery that we've carried um, will help us kind of understand this. So let's read it together. It says in verse 16 of Galatians chapter 5, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. We see it all through scripture, kind of some of these contrasting images. And this is a really powerful one that Paul wants to paint a picture for us. Um, We've actually seen it pretty often in the book of Romans already. And if you've been with us for the last couple of weeks, this illustration that's on stage has been a really powerful one for us to to understand something. That uh, living by the fleshly desires that we have, what 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 I'm going to call our sin nature, is actually what separates us from God. When God created everything he wanted, he had this beautiful picture of peace and unity uh, that we would be with God. And uh, sin entered in and broke God's perfect good plan and it separated us. And and thank goodness that Jesus comes in to bridge the gap. Um, But the reality is that we have desires of our flesh that want to separate us from God. And they run contrary to the spirit. So whenever we read anything in uh, the New Testament where Paul's talking about the flesh, he uses that term in several places. Here's what he's talking about. He's talking about our sin nature. He's talking about our default settings, our natural bent. That because sin entered into the world and it broke God's perfect plan, it has had an effect on each and every one of us. That our natural bent is towards sinful desires or selfish desires desires. Romans 3 has been a really good um, example of that, right? And it's what we're born into. It's the reality that each and every one of us face. That's why I love this illustration and why Romans 3, uh, 23 comes to mind. It says, for all have sinned. We're each in, we're all in the same boat. Like we're all in the same page this morning, no matter who you are, what you've done, where you've been, we're all in the same boat. All of us have flesh, And again, yes, it's good that we have this stuff that keeps our insides from getting cooked in the summertime, but it's spiritually, we each have flesh, okay? Uh, This is a side note, um, and um, I'll take a little bit of liberty here because I just turned 30, which makes me an adult. And so uh, you may or may not have come for this this morning, but uh, I've come to offer some relationship advice. Now that I'm an adult, I can actually do that. I've gotten, to, I've gotten to hand a lot of that out to teenagers over the years, and now I'm, I'm making it available to everybody, okay? Uh, and so if you didn't come for that, then I'm sorry in advance, but I didn't get much notice, so it's not my fault. Um, Paul writes a really interesting passage of scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And he, he paints this really, really cool picture. It's another one of these contrasting things. And I'll, I'll share with you why it's important for relationships. But I'll, I'll summarize 2 Corinthians six fourteen for you. It says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. 
And then he goes on to say, like, what does the light have in common with darkness? What does wickedness have in common with righteousness? He's saying, like, like those things are, are rubbing against each other. He says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Not, don't, it's not saying don't have friends who don't follow Jesus. It's not saying don't work in a place that's not just a Christ-based um, organization. That's not what that's talking about. It says, don't be yoked. Don't tie yourself so closely to somebody that's chasing after something different than you and expect that it'll work out or produce good fruit. So like for you single people in the room, if one of you is like gung-ho about who Jesus is and, and what he means to you and how it transforms the way you live your life, but the person you're interested in doesn't give a rip, that's not gonna work. It's not gonna work because you can't tie yourself so closely to something and expect to just uh, go your separate ways and just kind of work it out. It just doesn't work that way. And, and Paul's saying the same thing in Galatians chapter 5 when he's talking about living by the Spirit. He wants us to recognize, first and foremost, you have a sinful nature that left to yourself, your desires are going to lead you further away from Jesus, not towards him. And so for those of you who are married in the room, you, you see that 2 Corinthians 6 passage played out too. Like when you and your spouse, man, when you're, when you're on the same page and you're moving together, you know how sweet that can be? But man, when you're not on the same page, you know how, how chaotic and hurtful that can be. And so um, if you're a Christ follower in the room, just free dating advice there. Hey, pick somebody who loves Jesus and chase after them. And, and it, it tends to work out better. Um, so skip back to verse 16 real quick. It says, so I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walking by the spirit. That's the opposite of just letting your flesh rule over you. Walk by the spirit. Here's, here's what I think Paul is trying to get at anytime he talks about walking by the spirit. And I love that we're in 14 pages. We're going to keep in Romans. And I'm, I had to delete from my notes all the other places in Romans because I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. But Romans chapter 8 is going to paint such a beautiful picture of this for us. So you've got to stick with us so you can see it really clearly. But to walk by the Spirit is to actively choose to set aside your selfish desires so that you can pursue Jesus. Actively choose to set aside your selfish desires so that you can pursue Jesus. That's what walking by the Spirit looks like. Uh, have you ever opened your Bible, started to read a little bit and feel like you're looking in the mirror and sometimes like not in the best way. It's like you read this awful story about somebody in the Bible and something terrible they did. And you're like, wow, I've done that before. That hurt a little bit. Um, you know, I, I encounter that sometimes and I've been reading in Genesis chapter four recently and had one of those moments. I want to read it with us this morning. A lot of you guys are really familiar with what's going on in Genesis. Um, again, we see it in that illustration. Uh, Genesis one and two, it's just this beautiful picture of what God's design was what his plan was, what he, what he desires for his people. And unfortunately, sin enters into the picture in, uh, in uh, Genesis chapter 3, and it, it destroys that perfect plan. And uh, it would have been awful enough it stopped there, but then we read the rest of the Old Testament. It's this charting path of God's people in Israel, uh, rebelling, making bad decisions. God in his goodness, his love, his mercy, bringing us back. And in Genesis chapter 4, um, just a horrific scenario unfolds as sin enters into the world. Adam and Eve give birth to their first two sons. Their names are Cain and Abel. We don't get a whole lot of details on the timeline of this, but um, at some level, I think Cain, Cain and Abel recognize, hey, you're the God of the universe. Like you, you own everything. And so they're doing their thing and they decide, man, it would be good for us to bring an offering to you. So they both bring an offering to God, but they both bring two very different offerings to God. 
And it says um, in Genesis chapter four, in those first couple uh, verses, that the offering that Abel brought, God looked uh, on him with favor because it was the first fruits of his labor. Like he said, God, you, you own everything. And so like, man, if I can work hard at anything, guess what? Like you get the best of it. Before I even take anything for myself, you get the best of it. And then we see what Cain did was a little bit different. What seems to be Cain just kind of gave God his sloppy seconds and just kind of gave him something of what he had worked towards as opposed to the best of what God wanted. And uh, it says specifically that God looked without favor and Cain was downcast and angry. That when God didn't look on him with favor, Cain became angry. And we see a really, really powerful snapshot of what our sin nature can do in a moment like that. I want to read verses six and seven of chapter four for us really quick. This is what God says. Then God said to, then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Did you catch that? Sin is crouching at your door. Your, your bent, your natural bent already is to be angry when, when, when it doesn't go well or to be frustrated or to be confused already. But if you continue to live in that, then what happens to Cain later in just the next few verses, the, the tragic ending, that his anger doesn't stop there. It probably moves more to rage and he brings his brother out in a field and he murders him in his rage. Like that, that is a powerful example of what our flesh is capable of leading us towards if it goes unchecked. Incredible, incredible. Just a, another side note here. Um, I started thinking about just the, the difference between the offering that Cain and Abel brought. And it got, this is where you start to look in the mirror a little bit. And it starts to sting a little bit. And we start to think of the offerings that I bring to him with my tithe, with my time, with my resources, with my gifts. How often I've just come to God and said, yeah, you can just kind of have what's left over. As opposed to the invitation that he gave both Cain and Abel and each of us that we can bring to him. He owns it all anyways, our first fruits, the best work of our labor. And that the result of that would be that he would look on us with favor. What a reminder that that's the invitation and also a reminder of what our flesh is capable of. Probably a verse that I, I quote from this stage or any stage here the most is John 10, 10. The reality of who Satan is and what he desires for each of us is he wants to kill us. He wants to lay temptation after temptation after temptation in front of you so that your flesh might just see a little something that they want to grab hold of and completely take your focus, completely take um, your, your eyes off of Jesus. And just like the awareness of a bear being in the mountains or in the room or that squirrel, what we know about our flesh should change the way we view sin. What we understand about how powerful it is should change the relationship that we have to it. And so if you're a Christ follower in the room and you have the spirit of God living inside of you, you then actively 
that that walking by the spirit phrase would be an active thing. You actively seek to find ways to give your flesh less uh, play in your life and the spirit more. This is, this is a real personal example for, for me and something that I'm, I'm fleshing through um, in my personal life. And many of you guys have, have heard me share my story, but I've got years of dealing with uh, sex addiction and, man, just by God's grace, wa- walking in recovery and doing all that stuff. But that, like, my, the understanding of what my flesh desires in certain moments changes the way that I live my life, like very drastically. And there's lots of popular social media apps and things like that, and TikTok being one of them, but TikTok's just not for me right now. Because what my flesh loves is, is for people to show a little too much skin. And I know if I, if I jump on there and I scroll and I keep going, at some point, somebody's going to choose to show me something more than what I want to see. And so I've just chosen, like actively, as I'm trying to walk by the Spirit, I've just chosen that that's just not going to be a part of my life. And, and for you, it will look different. And the things, that you, the things that your flesh desires are things that you need to explore and you need to expose and you need to then kind of see what, what the implications of that for. But for me, it's just something that's got to go. And I know that. And so I don't allow myself to go there. And I put people around me, Kevin's talking about a small group. Like my small group knows the things that I struggle with. So that if they see me entering into some of those territories, they're the first ones to say, hey, I don't know if that's good. And I'm grateful for that. So I've made those decisions. I understand because I know what my flesh is capable of, what it could lead me to. And I try to take that very seriously. Verse 18 says, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. This is, this is fresh for me. So I'm just going to process with you guys in real time as I was writing this message this morning and late last night. Um, God just kept asking me this question. And so I'm just asking it to you guys too, with the hopes that maybe God would ask you the same question. How's your walk? How's your walk? I love that in God's perfect timing and goodness. Like when he, he talks about our relationship to the spirit, he uses the word walk, the pace of a walk you can be in relationship with somebody and walk. You ever tried going on a run with somebody and trying to talk at the same time? And you're just like heaving the whole time and you get like eight words in it. It's a terrible conversation. But walking is comfortable. Like you can do that. And we're called to do that with the spirit. It's so relational. We live in such a fast paced culture, breakneck speed, keep up or get lost, where the spirit's saying, no, like stay here with me. Let's walk together. And so God's asking me, hey, how's your walk? And, and very specifically in 18, it doesn't just say walk by the Spirit. It says, if you are led by the Spirit. So the second question is, who's leading? Who's leading? My, my wife notori- notoriously when we're in public says, hey, slow down because I'm just walking. I'm doing my thing and I'm like 18 paces ahead of her. She's like, hey, I'm trying to keep up. And how often do I just do that with God? I just leave him in the dust. And I consider that walking by the Spirit when really I'm just off doing my own thing. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The greatest thing that hit me this morning as I was processing this, and we have to, we'll start to conclude here. Just a reminder that Jesus came to this earth on a rescue mission. He came to this earth on a rescue mission. 
He is rescuing each and every one of us from our sinful desires that seek to kill us and ultimately separate us from God for all of eternity. That's why he came. And so to walk by the Spirit is to accept the free gift of salvation that God invites us into a relationship with him. Simply put like this, the the flesh leads to death and destruction, but the Spirit leads to life and peace. The flesh leads to death and destruction, but the spirit leads to life and peace. He came on a rescue mission. And and each and every one of us, our own fleshly desires seek to kill us. And they want to separate us for all of eternity. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And um, we're going to sing a couple songs together to to finish our time uh, this morning. It's going to be really sweet. Um, but I would challenge you to think about that question that I, that I proposed. How's your walk? And I recognize that for some of us, whether you're online or you're here in the room with us, um, like you would even just say, like, I, I don't have one. And that's okay. I'm so glad you're here. Seriously. Um, it's okay if you don't have one. But if you do have a walk, if you at some point in history said, Jesus, I'm, I'm going to follow you. Like, I'm going to do this then I'm, I'm painfully aware in my own life of how much my flesh still has desires that pull me and pull me further and further away from him. And if you've never had a relationship with Jesus, then to know what that would be like, not to just be ruled by your own selfish desires, man, that's freedom. That's you go back to the first verse of Galatians chapter five and you get to read about that. And so as we sing together, maybe like, maybe the way that you need to respond this morning is you, you need to sing and you need to stand up and you need to belt it, you need to belt it out. But maybe for some of us, we're just, we need to stay in this moment, maybe in the slowness of a walk with the Lord. Just reflect, reflect on the words that are going to be on, on the, on the wall and reflect um, on the songs that we're going to sing. I don't know what that looks like for you, but I challenge you to listen to that. Let me pray. And then we're going to worship. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the time that you've given us to just be in your presence. Um, It's good. And God, we want the next few moments to just be all about you. And if there's anything, God, that you can do that just helps us reflect on what you've got on, on our hearts, then allow us to do that. Give us the pace to do that and the space to do that. Um, We need that. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.